0: I have a maker, he formed my heart, before even time began my life. i not.
1: Lord as we come uh, to you this morning Lord expecting you to do a great and mighty uh, work in our lives Lord but I know that you are also expecting some things of us that our uh, ears would hear and and that our mind would be open and our hearts perceptive to that which the spirit is speaking to the church Lord as we humble ourselves and open ourselves, making ourselves uh, vulnerable to you, Lord. I pray, uh, Lord, that you fill those spots. Lord, that you fill those cracks, uh, those doubts, those fears, uh, and give us understanding that the eyes of our understanding would be open, that we would see the riches and the glory of your grace, and we would know the high calling in which you've called us to, that we would be effective in ministry, that would be effective in life, that we would be effective in our family, be effective in our marriage, be effective in our community, be effective in all that you've called us to. To do and called us to go where we would have us to go and the things that you would have us to minister to, Lord, that's all on you, uh, Lord, for it's your words that we speak. It's with your hands we reach, with your hearts we go, with your eyes we see, and I pray, Lord, that you give us a compassion in our bellies, uh, Lord, to do the things that you've called us to do. Uh, in the time, give us boldness, give us courage, wisdom, uh, that we may speak the mysteries of the gospel, making them plain, so that the those that don't hear can hear, those that can't see uh, can see, and those who can't walk in it uh, may be able to walk in it. Because we, He, have used us to make plain, straight the path of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In these things, we ask you, Lord. As we look at Hebrews one, we're going to look at who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? And Hebrews 1 says God at different times and in different manners and in different times past uh, unto the fathers by the... Uh, I'm sorry. God who at different sundry times and in different manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he hath anointed or appointed and anointed and we'll see in a minute who he hath appointed heir of all things Uh, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, and when he had by himself purged your sins, my sins, our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, and for emphasis I'll add this, by his Father. By his Father. By His Father God. God in different times, different ways, different prophets, different people has spoken to us. And through the fathers He spoke to them. Has now spoke to us by His Son, the Bible says. And uh, He is still speaking today through His Son. For the Word has become flesh. The Word became man, the Word became alive, the Word became touchable, it became tangible, it became accessible to all men. The Bible says that the Word was God and was with God and the Word came down uh, to men and so that men could conceive the Word, but they couldn't perceive the Word for they were men in darkness and but nevertheless the word became flesh and it came to men it became alive it became available it became right in front of us the word was not it was no more far off and through anybody else it was staring us face to face just like it did us in the day when we give our lives to the lord the word flesh became flesh and and become to us face to face. And the writer of Hebrews does something right here. He brings us face to face with God. He says, listen, I know that He spoke to your fathers. I know that He spoke through the prophets. I know that He spoke through situations. I know that He spoke through scenarios. But did you not hear Him speak to you through all those? Did you not hear the voice of God in the suffering? Did you not hear the voice of God in the silence? Can you not hear the voice of God in the loneliness? Can you not hear the voice of God when He says, when He blessed you and when He did this and when He did that? Can you not hear the voice of God through the Word of God, through the people of God, through the community of God, through God's hand in the world? Can you not hear the voice of God through the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Can you not hear the voice of God through the Christians, through the children of God? You know that as a children, you're, you're, you should imitate your father. You should look like your father, sound like your father, maneuver like your father. You become like your father. The more I'm around Grace, the more he takes after me, and it's the same way with you and your father. And the Word became a man. He's no more uh, far <laughs> off. He can hear him in the world speaking. And He became flesh. And He walked among us. And He dwelt among us. And He spoke among us. And the Word is the Son of God, the Bible says. There's no prophet greater. No prophecy greater. Luther brought this out in the Sunday school this morning. There's there's no prophecy greater than the fulfillment of that prophecy. You can see it all through the Bible. And it becomes relevant. And it becomes uh, applicable. And it becomes Scene in the scene in the book of man, the gospels, in the when Jesus steps on the scene. No higher place, no higher honor, the Word, the Son of God becoming flesh. Psalms 138, 1-2 through 2 says, I will worship towards your holy temple, I will praise towards your holy temple, for you are everlasting God, and I esteem the Word is higher than all of God's names. The word is higher than all of God's name. If there was a the highest name God has is the word made flesh. That's, the high, that's what the, the book of Psalms is like, like Luther brought out. It's, you, can, you can read this in the Old Testament as it's being fulfilled in the New Testament. And the Bible says that the, the Son is the heir. Uh, he spoke to us through his Son, verse 2. He is appointed heir of all things. He's the prophecy fulfilled. He is is the reason we're here. He's the hope that we have. He's the firstborn Son. He's the only begotten of the Father. He's the Son of the living God. He is Jesus, the Son of God. He is the highest of highs. He is the holiest of holies. He is all things. He is everything. And the Bible says that He is the Son in whom He's well pleased. And this is my son, hear him this day. The Bible tells as we see scripture being fulfilled all through the gospels, all through Jesus' life, scriptures is being fulfilled as God sent his son into this world, Jesus Christ. And Hebrew says he is the heir of all things. And don't think just because the Gospels was this red letter that was written after Jesus has passed away, if Jesus says it, it's the word. It is prophecy. It is the Word of God. It, it, just because it was written down later don't mean it was not prophecy and not spoken to come into existence. It's almost like the, when we'll get into that in a minute, the crucifixion uh, is, is prophesied not only in the book of Psalms, but from Jesus Himself. Right, says it. He is the prophecy fulfilled. <laughs> he is the Creator. And it says He's the heir of all things. Not only that... He's appointed heir of all things. Verse 2. But by Him all things in the world are made. God sent His Son, the Creator of all things. From the firstborn of creation. From the foundation of the world He was and He is and He is all that will be. All that's seen you can see. is Everything that we see come from His imagination. It comes from His creativity. We serve a, we serve a creative God. It, come, it was spoken into existence. It was seen into existence. It was thought into existence it was heard let there be let there be and let there be and it was heard into existence and all understood that and carried out the plan and the fulfillment of God. When He spoke, angels moved. When He spoke, heavens came, or mountains came up and water succeeded. When He spoke, the firmaments made. When He spoke a word into existence, the atmosphere was created. The Bible says that He slung out stars and He slung out planets and He slung out cosmos and He did all of this because He is the Creator God and that all things was made by Him For Him and through Him all things exist. He's God all by Himself. He don't need any help. The angels are flying around. They can help if He wants them to, but He don't need their help. He's the Creator God. He's the only heir. He's the only begotten Son of the Father. He's the only one that can do anything about this world, about your situation, and about the sin problem that we have. He's the only one that can do anything. Uh, The prophets talked about Him. The Father spoke about Him. And Jesus is confronting us now, saying, I'm the only way. I'm the only one. There is no other way. There's none more higher. There's none no smarter. And there's none who can change it other than Him. The Bible says that He made the oceans to come so far and receive. He is the beginning. He is the end. He's the author. He's the finisher. And there is none like Him. He is God all by Himself in the flesh. The Bible says in verse 3, He's the brightness and the glory of His Father. He's the express image of the Father. Of His person. He Just like I said earlier, you are, 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 we should imitate our Father. He looks like His Father. He sounds like His Father. He walks like His Father. He talks like His Father. He's the image of who His Father is. And when God speaks, you hear Jesus' voice. When God speaks, you hear Jesus' voice. When God touches, you feel Jesus' hand. That's the way this thing was working. When God would touch your life, when Jesus steps on the scene, when God touched you, Jesus had your hand. When you felt virtue go out of Him, it was because you was touching God Himself. When your eyes became open and you wiped the spit away from your eyes, it was God's hands touching His eyes through Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who was touching people. And when God stands It's that when God stands, it's Jesus' feet holding Him up. When God motions or beckons you to come, it's God's arm using Jesus' arm to do those things. For He is not only God, He is man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. He's the God-man. He's the God-man. That's who He is. And when he He came, He didn't come with a vengeance. Talked about that a little bit this morning. He is coming with a vengeance. But you gotta rightly divide the word of truth, for he came to bind up brokenhearted. And to give sight to the blind, to set free the captive. And there's another part of that verse before the dreaded day of the Lord. Rightly dividing. But he didn't come with a vengeance, he came with a purpose. He comes right here with a purpose. And when he came, the Bible says in verse four, who being in—I mean, verse three, who being in the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, all by himself, with no help from you, no help from anybody else, all by himself, the man Christ Jesus purged our sins. All by himself, he didn't need it. He didn't need a team of apostles to do it. He didn't need committees and budget committees and church councils to do it. He didn't need programs, bells, witness, bells and whistles. He didn't need social media to do it. He didn't need Facebook and Twitter to do it. He did it all by himself. And he sat down at the right hand on Majesty, on high, and I put I wrote right here by his father. And he did it all by himself when He ascended, He sat down by the right hand by His Father. He's the Son of God. Not a spirit. He's not a messenger. He's not a prophet. He's the prophet, but He's not a prophet. And I wrote here, don't diminish what God has done just because you don't understand how He did it. Don't diminish what God has done. And another thing, don't diminish what or limit God, how we limit Him because we don't understand Him. We don't understand how He spoke in times of uh, uh, forth about how He spoke to our fathers. He don't understand some of the things in Joel. Like we, uh, I heard just, just today uh, how He comes with dreams and visions. We don't understand what He wants to do in our life. We don't understand some of the things. and We limit uh, how we limit what we become because we don't understand what He wants. That the Word can speak into and unto our life. He can speak stuff into your life and just as easily speak things out of your life. He can bring forth blessings and remove curses At the same time, with one breath, if He can make this, surely He can redeem you. Surely He can deliver you. Surely He can heal you. Surely He can do all things. He's holding all things in His power. He's creative. Don't think He can't create in you a new heart. Don't think He can't create in you a new spirit. Don't think He can't tell dry bones to live, sinews to move, hearts to beat, and pour out His spirit on all flesh. He can do all things. He's God, and all things are upheld by the word of His power. If He will speak unto me, only Lord, for I'm a what He said. I'm a man of. Of great authority, too. You ain't got to come to the house. If you'll just speak your word, it'll be done. And he says, No greater faith have I heard in all of Israel that a man could know that he could hear the word of God and be healed. Amen. No greater faith. And we limit God because of what we hear or don't hear, what we see or don't see, what we know and what we don't know, when we should just ask the Lord to do these things and go on about our business in faith, asking in faith. We have not because we ask not. Imagine how free we'd be if we really believed that He purged all of our sins. That we really believed that He purged. Definition of that is the rid of of guilt. Rid of uh, condition or exterminate. God exterminated your sins. God rid you of the condition of your sin. God rid you of the... uh, of, the, of your sins, purged your sins. And as he moves on down in verse four, he says, but he's better than any angel could be. Uh, by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than them. For the name of Jesus, for there's no other name given unto men by which, by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus. And verse five, for which of the angels did he say at any time thou art my son? This day I have forgotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be done. To him, my son, he's, he's no spirit, he's no angel. He's so much more than that. Amen. He's so much more. We, we read and, and we sang in victory in Jesus as the angels sit around and praise him. Aren't you glad? We he sang. A, he knows your name. Do you, ain't you glad that you got a Savior that knows your name? He sees your tears. He hears your cries, and he comes to you. And he don't have to. He don't. And and, he, and an angel's not sitting there going, I hear him. Can I go? I see him. What do you want me to do? No, Christ takes the initiative and he comes to you. He hears you. You don't have to wait on anything. You don't have to wait and wonder if he heard you. You don't have to do that thing. Verse 5 says he's no spirit, no angel. Verse 6 says he's the son. He's the Son of God. Angels worship Him in the heavenlies. Angels worshiped Him in the manger. Angels worship Him in the field. Angels minister to the, Him in the wilderness. In the garden they minister. In the empty tomb they minister. And at the right hand of majesty, they are subject to Him. They are are singing to Him. They are praising to Him. They are flying around Him. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of my all power, all honor, all praise is due to the Lord Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of majesty, who upholds all things with His Word, and who is the heir and the first begotten of all sons, who is the first creation to step. Look how He redeemed mankind. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. He done this. They're His messengers. They're His sergeants. Now they was having, the Jews at this time believed that there were angels for everything. Angels were everywhere. There were angels for every season, every time, every planet, every star, every person, everything under the sun. There was angels there. And I believe that we have ministering angels. The Bible says right here that we have ministering angels that minister to the heirs of salvation. I know we have ministering angels and guardian angels. What does he say in Luke? Uh, Suffer not one of the children to come unto me for their faces are always before the Father through their ministering angel. And I know that we have guardian angels that surround us. I know that we have angels that if we can see in the spiritual realm uh, that are surrounding us and protecting us and keeping us. Just like I know that there are demons that are all around us, that are fighting us, that are against us. Demons and angels are not different. They're the same. One's fallen and one's submissive. One's subject. One third of them's fallen. That's demons. That's angels. And two-thirds... Are stable are, are God's messengers So just as real as there's demons fighting us and Satan is an angel We have angels as well, but the problem here was was They were seeing Jesus as a spirit messenger How else could he do the things that he done? How could he? Uh, slip through the crowd like he did, had he not had some supernatural power of God? How could he, what did they say? They said he has the power of Beelzebub to do those things. And then Christ would say, "Well, how could how why, how could Lucifer throw out Lucifer? How could Satan dispel Satan?" And so they was they was dealing with a little. He was dealing with a little issue right here. And all he's doing is not trying to dismiss angels. He's trying to show you the Son of God. That's what he's doing, showing you that there is only one way to redemption. There's only one way to redemption. And Jesus is no angel. Verse 8, but unto the Son, he says. Well, let's just say five. Who else is he called a son? It's all scripture being fulfilled. Verse 8, but unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. You see his sonship, you see his lordship. Jesus ain't no angel. He's a son, he's the Lord. And I like what it says in nine uh, that thou hast loved righteousness, hated iniquity. Therefore, God said to God, even God, even thy God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Even God has anointed God with the oil oil of gladness. Jesus is God in the flesh. God said to the throne, to the Son, your throne is forever. And in verse 13 he goes on a little Father and he says, which of the angels did he say at any time sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. The ones that he sends to the heirs of salvation know their place and they know their role. The one third that fallen uh, because they, they hate God's creation and everything that God wanted to do in our lives And redeem mankind, they know they 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 fail, they don't know their role. And it says the Bible says that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. That he came all by himself, purged our sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and purged our sins, and he did it on the cross. Not as a prophet, (laughs) not as a spirit, but as the Son of God. But as the Son of God in the flesh. And I'm going to tell you something. He's the only hope that we have. Mm-hmm. He's the only hope that anybody has. If anybody is going through something and they come to you and they need help, and we can help them in any kind of way we can, but the only hope that they have is found in Jesus Christ. Yes, he's the only way. He is the only way. He's the only way to forgiveness. He's the only way of deliverance. He's the only way uh, of uh, to heaven. There is no other name. There is no counsel. There is no committee. There is no uh, uh, spirit that's came. It's settled in heaven. It's settled forever. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. It's just a done deal. It's settled. He made it clear. He would not have, And the reason he said that, listen, I want you to know, no man comes to the Father except through me because he wanted them to not be able to stand in him in that day and said, well, you didn't tell me he was the only way. He did. He did. He did. There's no way you, Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 says, I'm sorry, but you have no excuse. Yeah. You have, he made it crystal clear. <laughs> he made it crystal clear. And as Luther pointed out, they just refused to see. They refused to hear. Crystal clear. There is no other way. I was, I stopped at the store on the way back Monday from talking to a guy and there was a lady in there and she was, she was, uh, uh, I guess she was witnessing to me. A standing in line, nobody was in there, but she was a Muslim, and she said that we had the same God. And I said, I don't think we have the same God. Well, I, we we esteem Jesus as as a prophet, but now we really we, and I, my mother's name is Maria after Mary, his mother. But our prophet's the last prophet. I said, I don't think so. Your prophet might be the last prophet, but my, but my Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the only one that can ever get you that way. Can ever, Well, we believe the same thing. We just believe that our prophet will stand in the last day. And I said, you know what? I didn't tell her this, but I thought this after I got home. There is a prophet coming in the last day. And he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's the prophet after... There is no other way. He is speaking in no other way. No other prophet can say anything. other. Today he speaks through his son. Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And I'm going to tell you, if you've seen an angel, you saw a ministering spirit. That's what you saw. If you've seen a a prophet, you saw a vessel used by God to give a word in due season. God will use whatever He wants to. Don't you think for one minute uh, that that God is subject to you? That, That just because... You don't or you won't. You know what? I didn't believe either, but He did it anyway, and now look at me. I didn't think He could do it either, but He did it anyway, and now look. I didn't think He wanted it either, but He did, and He got it, and now look. Don't think for one minute that my sinfulness or my lack of faith or my unbelief can stop that heir of all heirs whose power is uh, pouring out in his word and he he holds it all in his hand. Don't think that he holds the scepter of the right hand of majesty on God, the enemies are his footstool, and he's subject to me. I don't think so. I don't think so. The problem is that sometimes I'm not subject to him. And so some of the stuff that I see in my life is more like chastisement instead of uh, you know the good stuff. But if you've seen Jesus, he says, you've seen the Father. If you felt him in your heart, you felt the Father. If, if you felt Him, if you if you've understood the revelation in your mind, you've heard the voice of God. It's amazing. If you felt him, you felt the Father. What we talked about earlier: if, if he's touched you, the Father's touched you. And this is our hope. It's not in messages. It's not in messengers. It's in the man, Christ Jesus. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have. So that's who. That's the glory of the Son of God. So what do you do with him? What do you do with it? What power? What do you do with him? What do you do with somebody who's no guile's found in him, I can't find fault no fault in him, I can't do anything? His wife said, you leave him alone. He said, but I can't because I fear them more than I fear him. And I'm afraid that that's what's going on in the world today. They fear what you might say and they may think and who might counsel them and who might think they're ugly for standing up what God says when we should fear him more than we fear them. And the world's got it all backwards. The enemy has come in twisting this whole thing. I'm scared that you won't accept me into something I don't really believe in uh, when I should really be standing on the Word of God and not trying to get in this or trying to get in that, but to pull you away and you away and bring you into one body, one family, the heir of all things, and the body finally joined together in Christ Jesus. The only hope. The only way. The only way. So, if the message of the vessel came true. Psalms 2, 7, Thou art my son, son, this day I have forgotten you. Hebrews 1, 5. 2 Samuel 14, I am his father, he's my son. Hebrews 1, 6 or 5. There you go. If the message come to pass, every prophecy fulfilled, the day he's supposed to come for I wrote these down if the uh, I gave him got uh, out of the mouth of two little thing well, let me read it all out of the mouth of two let a thing be established I'm his father he's my son Hebrews 2 Samuel 714 Thy throne is forever Psalms 45 6 and 7 Hebrews chapter 1 uh, 8 and 9 or 10 one you know Hebrews sit here and I'll make uh, your enemies your footstool one ten one uh well, Hebrews 1.13 And I wrote this down this morning, as Luther pointed out in Sunday school. Born of a virgin, scripture to back it. Born in Bethlehem, scripture to back it. Triumph and entry, scripture to back it. Uh, the garments on the donkey, scripture to back it. The branches in the path, scripture to back it. The day. He entered in, Scripture scripture to back it. The day of the cross, Scripture to back it. The day they rejected Him, Scripture to back it. The cross, uh, Scripture about that death, burial, and resurrection, Scripture to back it as Jesus foretold, just as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days. If the Son be lifted up, He will draw all men. Fear not, for these things must have to happen. I have to go to the cross. Scripture to back it. So if the message comes to pass, and if the messenger's words come to pass, angels can block the garden, uh, they can be there in creation, and they can give the law. The Bible says in Acts 7, uh, 52 or 42, it says that, uh, that, that they're ministering angels and with Moses today that he got the law. If they're to minister to Joshua and Moses in those days, if they feed Elijah and they feed Jesus, and they can even be cast out. These are the good ones. You know, the other angels, He said, Lord, Lord Jesus, what do we have to do with You? And they bow down. And He said, cast us not in the pit. Cast us in the swine. Second Peter 2 says that there are angels chained in utter darkness at the Word of the Lord. And they have been there since foundation. They can't move. They can't move. These are how angels are subject to Christ. If these messengers are subject, was they not there in the wilderness after 40 days with Jesus' ministering? Are they not all around us fighting spiritual battles? And spiritual battles, when, they, when we could look up in the heavenlies, we would see spiritual warfare going on as they would talk about in Ephesians. We don't fight flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spiritual wickedness and darkness. Are these not spiritual battles going on? Are they are not children's faces head by, held by the guardian angels? Do they not do what they are told to do? Do they not go to Daniel and fight and fight and fight? And after three weeks, Daniel, I had to get Michael to come and help me so I could get you the answer. I'm glad that we don't serve a God who sends an angel that may answer us three to four weeks later. I'm glad that when I call on the name of the Lord, today is the day that He answers. Today is the day that we're saved. That when I call out, He answers immediately. He changes my life. He's a me- These are messengers. These are messengers. Messengers. Go to the swine. Go to the darkness. Go to Daniel. If that works like that, if the messages don't do it and the messengers can't do it, 2-1, don't you think we ought to give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard then lest at any time we should let them slip? If if the if the messages did say it and the messenger said and now God's saying it, don't you think we ought to listen? Don't you think we ought to give a little bit extra attention to what the Son's saying over what the angel said and the prophet said? For today in your hearing the Scriptures are being fulfilled. That ought to make your ear perk up. That ought to make you. That ought to make you turn and look. That ought to make a, order to make a Jewish scholar turn, in order to make a uh, as, as pretty a Greek as this is written, in order to make somebody into all that mysticism and and Oriental mysticism and uh, mythology and all that, and when you say God showed up in the flesh, it in order to make them look. When somebody's needing answers in the Jewish culture and he's going to give it to them about how a how a God could be sacrificed to save you and and that we're going to do away with the temple, that ought to get their attention. That ought to get their attention. And it's what he says in 2 1. Don't you think we ought to give more <laughs> earnest heed to the things which we've just heard? Lest at any time we should drift away? That we should drift away. It's, it's like a, a boat drifting away. Motion sickness. Driven me won't help you in this. It won't do it. I just thought about that. Said, all right. If their message uh, proved true, how much more? Is his message true? Amen. He, he is he. He's. Shouldn't we listen to him? That's 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 the gist of this thing. Should we not listen to him? Shouldn't we? If not, verse three. If no, if not, how then shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, first two. For the word spoken by angels and. and Are steadfast in every transgression of the law and disobedience received a just reward a recompense for its reward how much more how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it confirmed the prophets were witnesses the Jews he said I give signs and wonders God also, verse 4, God also bearing them witnesses, both with signs and wonders, different miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His will. The prophets uh, were witnesses, the Jews wanted signs and wonders, Uh, the Greeks wanted miracles and works, Uh, but to us, He is today, to us today, He has given us the Holy Spirit, sealed us with the Spirit of promise. How much more, He says, how much more can can you feel it in your own life? In a sense, don't you get tired of, of, of the prophet? I know Miriam did. Miriam and Aaron did. Just as they murmured against Moses. Don't you sit back and get tired of watching God work through their life and not work through your life? How much more today does He want to work in our life? It's not just limited to prophets and and, 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 and the, uh, the Jews. He says now He's given all believers the Holy Spirit. Living in you. You have the same ability. You have the same power. You have the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Lives in every believer in Christ. It is no more on you. It is in you. The message is this. God sent His Son in the flesh. He didn't send an angel. Could He have called down angels? said He could have called down legions of angels. Put your sword away. I could call. Don't you know that I could call down angels? That my Father would call down Angels and save me. I'm going to tell you what. Of course, he could have. But I thank God he didn't do it. I I thank God he didn't do it. Because if he would have saved, if he had saved Jesus off that cross, do you realize if God would have came in the form, if he would have came down and saved Jesus on that cross, there would be no us. There would be no redemption. You know what they would have done? It would have been the book of Revelation uh, on the day of the cross. They would have come down and wiped it all out. Valleys full of blood, up to the horses' collars. There was only one worthy. No one written in the book. Scrolls would have been opened immediately. Do you realize if God would have come in the flesh? This is some deep stuff right here that i got to think about. Do you realize that if God would have come in the form of an angel and went to the cross, that there's a possibility that one-third of the angels would have been redeemed? Listen to that now. If God was an angel like he's trying to disprove in chapter 1, and an angel in God would have went to the cross, then it would have redeemed one-third of the fallen angels. But he didn't come as an angel to redeem an angel. He came to nine much made much lower than an angel, made in the form and fashion of a man. He put on flesh, stepped out of eternity, put on the flesh of a man, And didn't think it, uh, what to say, uh, uh, he was equal with God. But humbled himself, became obedient unto the death and the death of the cross. That's what he did. He came a little lower than the angels. Took on sinful flesh. He became just like us. He was God and he is God. And he was man and he is man. He is the God man who took on our flesh, equal with God, became obedient to the death of the cross, and He came down, and had angels come and delivered Him, there would be no redemption story. Since He became you, you became Him. And through His suffering, your salvation became available. 2.11 says the sanctifier became the sanctified, making us sons and daughters of God. And all this through the death. That he might destroy death. Verse 14. We're coming in for a landing here. Verse 14. Uh, For as much as we are children or partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Do you know that it's like vaccines? They take a, a part of the sickness that's destroying you and they use it to make you better. He who knew no sin took on your sin to make you better. That's what he did. And he took it to the cross. Galatians said, he blotted out the handwriting against you and he nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. And he did it high and lifted up on a cross. His brow pierced, his beard plucked, his body beaten, bruised, his back, one open wound, every bone out of joint. As they stretched his arms out and placed nails in his hands, And from a Wednesday night crowd, I want you to listen to this. His feet placed together, and a spike drove through it. The heel of man covered by the heel of God. I can't remember Wednesday night. This is from a Wednesday night crew. I can't do it. You do it. God as man took his heel, and God as God covered him with his heel. as a picture of redemption. What did John say? John said, uh, you know what? There's one right there who if he'll take off his shoe, he can redeem everybody. But if he don't, I understand because I'm not worthy to take it off and spit in his face if he don't. I'm not worthy to lose his shoe. So Lamb of God, if, if you don't redeem us, we understand because you're so much holier than we are. But if you'll just take your shoe off, And he did it on the cross. Man's heel. God's heel. Stomping the head of the serpent. Bruising the heel so that the chastisement of his peace and your iniquities could be fulfilled in him. He's so good to us. He's so good to us. And he stomped the head of the serpent on the cross. And he did cry. He didn't cry for the prophets. He didn't cry for the angels. He cried out to his father. On behalf of you. Father, forgive them. And it's here where it was nailed to the cross. And all this, he did this not to keep you from going through what he went through, but to make sure you got through what he went through. You know, we pray all the time for God to remove things out of our lives and and to do this and let us have a, a great and easy life. And I'm all for that. But the biggest thing that he wants to do is that we should have in our heart is to know that he has overcome the world and that if we'll walk with him, talk with him, and be beside him, we'll get through everything in this life. There's nothing we can't go through with him. And we pray as Paul did, remove the thorn, remove the thorn, remove the thorn, and he says, Paul, if I remove it, I can't make you who I want you to be. Walk with me. And Paul says, I understand his grace is sufficient. And I will walk with him and I will walk in love. And I've learned to abound in the base and to be in peace in all things that I've called to do. Because I trust the one. And I'm persuaded that he who has called me will do a great work in my life. And I'm also persuaded that the suffering that I go through in this world is nothing compared to the glory that I'm going to receive. When I enter into the kingdom of the one who has a scepter seated on high in majesty. And the angels are flying around. He's no angel. He's no spirit. He's no prophet. He's God all by himself. And he loves me. And He loves me. And all this He did for me. So where do you find yourself? As Chris comes today, where do you find yourself? i, I got to go back to two one. do Don't drift away. Don't drift away from the sonship of God. And how God's grace covers you. And, and if you seem far away from His sonship today, hug on Him and love on Him. And let Him hug on you and, and love on you in His sonship. For He is the Son of God. For who else has He ever said, Thou art my son? And whom I've forgotten, and if you're drifting away from the lordship of God, I pray. I and pray if you've never had the, felt the lordship of God on your life, there's no greater there's no greater feeling than being in the will of God. There's no greater place in your life. I know it's scary. I know it's sketchy. I know it's uncomfortable at first. But there is no greater walk that you can walk in your life. No greater thing that you can have in your life than to feel the gifts and calling in your life. And you don't do it through the sonship of Christ. The son came to set you free. For he who the son sets free is free indeed. But when you bow down and humble yourself under his mighty hand, he begins to gift and call you and you begin to walk in the spirit of Christ. And He begins to move in your life. Because until He's Lord of your life, you're just saved. You're just saved. you got to yield to the humble hand of God and let, him, and let Him walk in your life. And it goes back, and this works in both right here. Y'all's relationship and our relationship. Mine and his relationship is very, very crucial to mine and Amanda's relationship. If mine and his relationship is okay, then mine and Amanda's relationship is great. And when this relationship, when I drift from this relationship, I drift from that relationship because I'm, I'm away from both of them because me and her are equally yoked, going in the same direction. So if you drift away in your relationship, I'm going to tell you what I do. I throw my anchor down or jump she ship and hope the well, whale put me back in one. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is serious. You know what? When Jonah got on the wrong boat, I thought it was his last chance to the whale well came. I thought when they threw him over, he was done. Thank God the whale well saved him. Some of us don't get another chance. Some of us don't get another chance. Some of us, the boat was the last chance. Throw your anchor down. There's a story, I'm sorry Chris, I got you up here standing. There's a story of, of a song right here, and I know y'all have heard it, but I want to read it. This is about. It's, it's not about drifting, it's about throwing your anchor. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Uh, their young son died of pneumonia in 1871. In the same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire, yet God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21st, 1873, a French ocean liner uh, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers was Miss Spafford and their four daughters. Although Miss Spafford had planned to go, Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, uh, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business crisis. He told his wife he would join them later and and his children in Europe a few days later, and his plan was to take another ship. After Four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the, the Villa de Harf collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Lockhearn. Suddenly, all that was on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Anna, Margaret, Lee, and Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if it would be his will, or to make them willing to endure. Listen to that. Spare us, God, if it's your will, or at least let us endure whatever awaits for us. Within 12 minutes, the, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of its passengers, including the four Baffert children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down, spotted a woman floating in the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her onto the boat and picked her up. And, uh, and then another large vessel picked her up. Nine days later, they landed in Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message, which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed that telegram in his office, and the story lies here. Um, Oh, she didn't get it off? Oh, yes, she did. Um, Oh, oh, so uh, Mr. Mr. Spafford booked a passage on the next available ship to join her in Wales, to join his grieving wife. Uh, With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to the cabin and and said look above, look, look in front and he said uh, there, there was the place where your four children went down. According to Bertha Spafford, a daughter born after the tragedy, it is here where he wrote it is well with my soul, when peace like a river attends my way when sorrow like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul as well. And he gave birth to more children, one which died at the age of four in a dreaded pneumonia. But the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem where he was later died and buried in that He put his anchor down. It could have been the most tragic part of his whole life. And God brought him right into that place and said, What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the worst part of your life? What are you going to do with the most uncertain time in your life? What are you going to do with it? And he said, When peace. Changed millions of lives. That song has changed millions of lives. Changed this too. What are you going to do with him today? You can't neglect what you've heard. Chapter two, verse three says, "If you neglect it, how can you neglect such great salvation? How can you turn away from what you've heard today without at least trying?" Brother Chris. Oh, stand. Two thirty-one.